So today I have the pleasure of talking to two people who've started out one of the first operations in Maryland. Jay Bouton, an old, old friend of mine, Sector 9 days, music days, Denver days. We saw each other at every show for years. And a new friend of mine, David Maueritz. David and Jay run the cultivation of Colta in Maryland. Uh, Colta is uh, the, one of the newest dispensaries, cannabis operations in the Maryland area, um, or in Maryland. In Maryland. And uh, they have a dispensary in Baltimore, right on the water. Awesome place. I saw it yesterday. And they have a grow down in Southern Maryland where they produce all of their products, all their concentrations, all of their extracts, all of their flour, all the biomass, all grown indoor in a uh, specialty built uh, ground up grow room. You know, one of the interesting things about your grow room is Cultivate Colorado. We helped you guys set up some of that. We worked with Matt Bickle when he designed the whole place. So I've seen it from the conception and me and Matt had multiple joints or dabs over uh, the planning of it and got to talk to Mackie and meet Mackie through the phone over the planning of it. And, and then you show up, Jay, and you're the... You're the cultivation manager. You're the head grower. You're the head grower. Yep. Jay's the head grower. David's the cultivation manager. And you guys are responsible for how big of an operation? So we have three flower rooms, two bedrooms, 320 lights total in flower, and about 100 lights in veg right now. So uh, at the moment, we're pushing out about... 160 to 200 pounds, give or take, of flour every three weeks. So we're on a strict every three week schedule, pulling down exactly that time. So it's definitely a machine, a train that just keep on running. Not gonna be able to stop it. Totally awesome. It's only gonna get bigger and better. Uh, David, you started out at the very beginning here when it was right when it was being built. Yeah, it was really exciting to come back to my home state here and uh, see things starting to develop. We we're actually working in an old factory that had been retrofit to grow. So that came with all kinds of obstacles. Um, when I got here, we just had one small room of seed plants that we had started. And now we've moved up to having thousands of plants. So it's really been uh, an exponential growth. When you came to work here, it was still a vision, right? The lights weren't hung, right? The building wasn't complete. What was the first thing that happened when you came in the door? Well, when I first got here, uh, I had the pleasure of working under Luke, who works for Bickle. We really were in, still in the construction phase. So we were growing plants in a building that was still under construction. So even though I came here to work on growing plants, I started out by gluing tables together was my first first week was just you know getting all the setup and working with electricians and all the contractors to get everything set up for for production you, you guys had some cannabis growing at the time yeah but you you filled the first first room yeah absolutely the, the first, first room. bedroom so we had our mom room which is where we had all our uh seed charts when i got here they're about three inches tall they hadn't been sexed yet they were all just non-feminized seeds from a bunch of different breeders a lot of question marks. We weren't really sure what we were going to get out of them, trying to dial all those processes in. So, yeah, it went from one small 15 by 20 foot room with three inch plants to, as Jay mentioned earlier, uh, three full 80 light flower rooms with 500 plus plants a piece in it. 
Wow, man. Must have a, a immense amount of pride to see it all for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I've been, it's been a big learning curve for me. You know, I started in mostly just outdoor in California and to come and do indoor here and learn from Jay and Luke and Bickle and all these guys. These are master, really high level growers that have been able to do this for a long time. So I don't mean to call you master grower. Sorry, Jay. No, that's, <laughs> Jay gets that's embarrassed about that term. But, uh, but it's true. You know, these guys are really, really doing it at a high level. So I'm taking a lot of pride in being able to learn from these guys and, uh, and produce a really high level quality product you're from maryland was this your first cannabis job well so about six years ago i was living in maryland working as an emt not super happy uh in that situation i moved out to california uh actually to climb mountains and i uh, ended up on a farm out there to make some money worked my way up until i had my own small farm going uh, a couple years later oh, american dream absolutely american dream starting really from is. the bottom on the way to the top all right so that was really cool getting to kind of learn my own trial and error on my small scale and kind of work my chops up to the point where i was hired by this company to come and work at a large scale how'd you find the job you're in california you had a farm how'd you find the job so my sister's fiance is really into mountaineering I was a novice, so he took me along. We went for six weeks just hitchhiking and climbing all the biggest mountains we could find in California. And at the end of that, he had a connection with the farm. He was going to go and set up a huge outdoor field, and they needed laborers. So I tagged along. He and I outworked all the uh, slightly less enthusiastic natives. And before you know it, we were the managers of that farm by the next year. Yeah, just use those connections to build my own farm. So how'd you find the job over here in Maryland? What brought you back? Was in the one ads? Or? Well, no. So Craigslist? actually, a friend of my family is family with some of the people in this business. And when they told them what I was doing out in California, they said, oh, great. You should talk to our cannabis consultant, which was Luke from uh, the Bickle Company. So I started- Luke, uh, Luke was out of Santa Rosa or Sonoma at the same time, right? Well, he was working out of Colorado, I believe. Yeah, he was out of Denver. We were remotely interviewing for almost a year before before I got the job. So um, it, was, it was quite a long time before it actually came to fruition. They were working really hard on this end. I wasn't sure if it was even gonna happen. You know, I was kind of riding the fence on what to do. And then as it went recreationally legal in California and the price dropped by almost a third, uh, the writing was on the wall that uh, I needed to evolve or get left behind. So I jumped on board here. I've known you for a long time, Jay, but that was your decision back in 2014, kind of too, right? In to Denver. jump in the... In to the... like, yeah, to evolve or, you know, get left behind. Yeah, you know, I was working for nine years in the music industry in Denver, bartending a really fun music venue and having a blast and making great money. But it came a point that it was, yeah, you know, I saw what was happening in my city. I, it kind of struck me. I wasn't paying much attention to it, but then like probably five days before the 2014, the January 1st legalization pop-off, I kind of just thought to myself how I had traveled to Amsterdam in 2001 and 2003 specifically to buy legal cannabis and how I flew you know half the way around the world just to make that a reality. And then I realized that that was happening in my hometown and that few of my good friends were in positions already that, that were there. And so I just kind of just realized that, you know, this was 
something that was real and coming to you know my hometown and I was gonna do anything I could to make that a reality and you know why I flew around the world I could do right in my town you know so that was when it kind of became a reality to me that this was something that needs to be taken very seriously now. You've worked for several facilities. Like, I'm not sure, maybe you started out at Lodo? Yeah, or? I started managing Lodo Wellness Center uh, the first two years of legalization. So I got to, you know, be working in dispensaries for those first two crazy years and got to really ride that energy wave. It was amazing, you know, to just kind of realize that this was something that was happening and be a part of it. Managing stores was definitely not what I wanted to be doing. Growing has always been my passion. And so my first, uh, chance to jump in a garden I did and that was with Lucky Edibles in Denver and then started going back and forth with them in Las Vegas as well after they got the legalization going there so I started learning kind of dual level LED setups and, and all that in uh, Vegas and then also did some consulting with uh, the greenhouse uh, 75 farms in Boulder in Boulder and uh, Basically, this job opened up uh, and uh, it seemed like an opportunity that no matter how wild it seemed to move across a nation to the opposite side of the country that I'm very familiar with or anything, uh, it seemed like it was a, a risk worth taking. You were just going to come over here and like consult for a minute and then ended up like landed into a full-time job. Yeah, so Bickle Consulting, there have so many different jobs going on that initially Luke Batten, who was supposed to, you know, come here, get it and got the first bolt in the ground, the first plant, you know, seed in the ground. He's the reason this whole thing's going. There was many more jobs that started coming up and he had to leave earlier than than expected. So they were definitely needing somebody to come out and fill that void. And so initially it was, yes, a six month temporary type of a, a situation. But after the first week, I kind of realized that this was going to be more than a temporary situation for me with the people I was working with, the company that I was working for, the equipment I get to, to utilize, the genetics we get to use, the just the fresh energy of Maryland being so, so new and everybody's excited. I realized pretty quickly that I was probably not going to go back to Colorado. Not for a few years. No, yeah, right, right. No, man, you guys got a great thing, got a great team. You know, Mackie's an awesome, like, powerful energy guy to work for, like, yep. super cool guy. He's and real motivational. Motivational. And I know some of your other team, both Michelle and Michelle, and everybody seems just so happy to work there. Obviously, something's going on right, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and in this industry, I know that we're lucky just because I've seen CEOs and owners and and seen them all and not very many of them have the overall feeling that this company does you know there's always there's always a few people that just aren't with the culture and with the with the cannabis plant and what we're doing and everybody that's on the culta team right now is just knowing that this this cannabis lifestyle is becoming more and more prevalent more and more just normal and we're trying to bring that to this area that is not used to that being a, a regular way of life. It's very underground and not really talked about, even though there's already over 70,000 medical patients in the state in a year. Yeah, hey, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about Culta. Let's talk about Mackey, right? Culta is a really high-end dispensary. It's in Baltimore. It's right on the water. It's 215 Key Highway. It's right on the Inner Harbor in Baltimore. So it's just 
beautiful location, big windows, overlooks, you know, the, the water. We were just there yesterday and we got some pictures on our Instagram site if you want to check it out. Right next to but, Federal Hill, the yeah. really cool park that you can overlook the city from you know multiple different angles and get great views really nice spot high-end dispensary you know not pretentious at all for like how nice it is inside there were all types of people that were in there when i was there there were people you know that wanted the the cheapest product or the cheapest pen and there was somebody who was buying like the top notch nugget yep. interestingly the guy buying the top notch nugget which you guys sell in little glass jars right he looked the poorest to judge anybody by their clothes he looked the poorest of them all yeah. right he's and spending his money on he's probably the real head though he was the one that well, he's the head for yeah. sure man you know he he knew what was going on and he knew what he wanted it's people are willing to pay good money for good weed no matter who they are where it is that's for sure yep you guys had great weed there like all the nugget looked like it was you know dealers growers nuggets right not just like customers nuggets the crystal was intact it wasn't smashed you guys had it prepackaged, but you did a really there's a really good job of it yeah the trichome yeah. preservation is one of our biggest things we try to from the minutes off that plant to the minute it's in the customer's hand we try to do everything possible to make sure as many of those heads are still there. You guys are great presentation. Lots of uh, extract. You guys are doing some Willie's Reserve stuff. I noticed there, CBD. It's their first East Coast market and it's their first medicinal only market. So we're starting out with CBD, heavy flower, rosaberry and the love. Basically, we're going to start with there and just kind of keep building that and keep on trying to bring, uh, you know, cool stuff to the CBD market here. Apothecana is, you know, the topical company from Colorado is, is uh, something that's oh, that's right, right that's now right. in the Lush works and topicals, right? Yep, yep. And they're as far as products that I sold in in dispensaries in Colorado, that's one of my favorites. So I'm really excited to just be partnering with them and G Pen, the Geo Pen, were the sole oh, yeah, provider for Colorado. Today, man. Those are great. Pure sauce and terpenes, no uh, no cut of what of any sort. So trying to do our best to offer the you know the the definite highest caliber product in the state it's totally high-end Mackie says over and over again i've heard him say it over and over again it's the culture thus the name yeah culta it's the culture it's it's we want the highest end we want quality that's what we want to separate ourselves coming from this area the way that they always kind of describe it is they want us we were trying to be like the dogfish head of of cannabis here you know where you're known nationwide as just providing you know unique product that being experimental somewhat with it mm-hmm. and just just having something that nobody else has and, and knowing that it's quality first and and uh, just always paying attention to that and that's being a craft beer drinker as well whenever they analyze analogize that i kind of like that yeah i'm touching on both what both of you guys are saying is that like you know there's all different markets that you can strive to meet. And like you were saying, you're seeing people in the dispensary buying a full range of products. Mm -hmm. But we really want to be the go-to for that really high-end boutique, trustworthy. But even our popcorn bud sales, and I say those with quotation marks, people, whenever we've had them, anybody that comes in, they're like, if this is what you guys are selling as popcorns, then... So even even when we kind of have Saley type of, of things going on most of the time even our low end i like to think is pretty pretty high end in the in reality 
Yeah, no, what you're doing and what I've seen you do, Jay, specifically over the past several years. Okay, other dispensary owners, listen. Listen to this. Other growers, listen to this, okay? You only put the best nuggets out for sale. Just because you grew it doesn't mean it's necessarily worthy to go into that bag, right? You have to take like just criticism of your pounds of wheat, right? You have to curate that flower. It can't just be like this whole crop's great because guess what? It's not. Yeah, there's always some laggers. There's always some laggers. And, you know, the end user gets those laggers. And that's what Jay and Colta is really doing awesome here is they're curating their, their, their weed. Right. If it's what they consider a small nugget, which is pretty, pretty large, honestly, you know, it doesn't go into into the finished sack. And also, I noticed you're on your pruning technique today. You guys are pruning off all the bottoms. Yeah. And I mean, I know Bickle's style. I know your style. And you guys really get rid of all of those small nuggets before they, you know, really mature. And that helps keep the plant healthy, too, with the airflow, better airflow, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you don't get that those larfy interiors where, you know, might, you might have problems. So not only does it help our bud overall size and quality, but keeps us healthy. Yeah, it helps trimming it. You're not having to deal with all this larf that just is pissing everybody off, you know. Totally, totally. But even if we do, we have a lab right next to us. You know, we're one of the four or five vertically integrated companies in Maryland that has growing, processing, and dispensary. Right. So we're we're pretty lucky where even, you know, whatever we whatever we have, we know that we can send it over to Michelle who will then use her magic and make the best concentrates in Maryland as well. Yeah, it really is amazing. Even per plant, we're able to do that, which is really nice where we can just take the very nicest buds off the plant for flower and send the rest of it to the lab and get all the good terps and residual THC out of the rest of it. So dispensary, large-scale commercial growth, 300 lights, 280 lights? What's what uh, is flowering is 320. Flowering there's, 320. There's over 400, right, total, over lights. 400 total lights. Currently. And then in the same facility, there's an extraction facility. You you sell pens, yep. right, or make pens mm-hmm. there, right? I'm sure you have edible plans in the future. Yeah, that's yeah. the funny part of Maryland is it's oh, got to be not edible. worded so, as Oh, look at that. And our, my, my joint Sherpa, Jacob, has just showed up with uh, what appears to be a large cone-shaped object uh, that requires... Looks flammable. Uh, that requires fire in, in order to... Uh, to work. What was that one? A little mix. It did have some of that 92 in there. The 92 cease and desist? Mm. Oh, yeah, it was a great one, man. Mm. Yeah, I really appreciate when my friends are running grows because I have a, a, a better opportunity. They know like the type of weed I'm in, into and, you know, know what to show me. And yeah. Most of my friends are heads too, so they've always got the best weed. <laughs> best weed right here in Maryland. Right here in Jay's living room. Jay and David's living room. Boop, boop, boop. boop. Bah, bah, bah. 
So uh, me and Jacob have been driving up and down the, the East Coast, checking out grows. We stopped at Grow West. We stopped at Terrapin Station. We were at the Worcester Cup in what appears to be Worcestershire, Massachusetts, but it's Worcester, I believe, is the way they pronounce it. Great Cannabis Cup. You should go next year if you're on the East Coast. Man, the East Coast is blowing up, man. It's so good to see it. There's We've seen so much weed. Stinky, just nasty, hippie weed, man. It's, it's, it's That's been what you're saying. You, incredible. The super hippie weed you smelled in, uh, in mass. Dude, we smelled this shit. What was that stuff, man? It literally smelled like a gym locker of hippies, dude. <laughs> It was it was disgusting smelling. You're just drooling over it. You're like, oh, can I? Yes, yes, yes. Don't listen to that. But, you know, Massachusetts, like, you know, home of Massachusetts Super Skunk, uh, debatably maybe home of Sour Diesel. They have demanded high-quality weed for a long time. There's been a weed scene there for a long time. Uh, UMass has really pushed it. The students at UMass have been um, at the focal point of cannabis legalization from the many different organizations have come out of UMass, UMass Cannabis Action Network. Students for Sensible Drug Control Policy are just a, a few. But man, great weed there, dude. It was it was really good. And then we went up to Pennsylvania where it's vape only up there. Right. And saw like a, another huge operation uh, of all super good looking ganja. Anyone who thinks that it can only be grown in Colorado or California or Oregon or Washington or not wherever they're from. Weed can be grown dankly by growers throughout the world especially indoors yeah with the right? with all these hvac systems and this technology that's coming out it's kind of making all areas equal at this point you guys use the geopod system gpod yeah, system can you explain what that is it's a hybrid system yeah it's a they're just large it's a co2 humidity and temperature all in one unit basically mm -hmm. so all of our environmentals are controlled by just well we have five units per room but it's you know it's an all-in-one all-in-one system so they're they're definitely nice they they're a little loud they're a little loud uh, mm -hmm. that would be our our first first issue um but you said there's a modification to control that or something. yeah it's a just a, a, a an add-on a different fan motor basically that's mm. just the the owl fan that can get it to to be a lot more silent than, than right. they are right but it's it's nice having everything under one you know one control yeah and it sits inside the room uh the the units are outside of each room okay. and they face directly in and uh and we just we blast we have three on one side two on the, on the opposite side and they just kind of uh fill in the voids in between each other and shoot at each other so both you guys came from dry states how is it controlling the humidity over here is it any more challenging or were you able to did bickle set up a high-end enough uh, operation where that just happens for you i mean in the g pods that's one of the things that i feel like they're they've always been good at is our, yeah, is our humidity our, levels our humidity has been good you know the the bigger thing that i've noticed here has been uh water ph and temperature uh varying through the year as far as like a you know, environmental water. yeah so we're bringing it from you know before we treat the water through a reverse osmosis machine you know it's coming in from uh water tower which is in the ambient air so in well and then it's really flat so then the whole time it's going it's just like i think right under the 
right under the the top of soil, you know, and so yeah, right. it's just not insulated at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in Colorado, your water, I mean, it still comes in warmer in the summertime, but we had a really big, like almost like a, a 30 degree change in water temperature. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, that'll definitely affect that RO, huh? Yeah, and our plans, you know, we ended up having to put a water chiller in our in our water tanks to uh, to cool the water down. Oh, wow. Um, it was coming in too hot. Yeah, and as far as I, you know, any place I've ever worked in Colorado, that was never an issue, was having water that hot. It right. was getting, it was coming in at 80 degrees, you know, where I think in Colorado, 74, 75 is about the most you'll ever see. It was noticeable real quick once the summer t- temperatures hit. And, and stayed that way. You could just tell real quick that water temperatures were the issue. Wow. And we got the chiller and three days later, the issue was fixed and it was, it's unbelievable how water temperature, that was, like you said, a major lesson learned out here, how quickly that can affect it. And that's kind of how we've been doing, you know, starting up a brand new facility. It's been a lot of lessons like that, where before we even had plants in here, we had some VOCs in our water that we you know, were dealing with and we couldn't understand where they were coming from. Turns out we had a sloppy plumber putting together pipes and put way too much glue in there and- we Off gas into the water. And we couldn't figure it out for, but you know, there was one of those things we got water testing done. We eliminated all the different variables that it could be and we ended up correcting it before it did any real damage. But it's been a lot of those type of things, finding out Hermes and light leaks and all these little issues that you get with a new facility. Yeah, so Maryland, new state, new laws, different laws. All the states are different, and they have a, had a restriction on the, the the genes that could be brought in, the seeds that could be brought in. But pre before that, in compliance with the law, Mackey was smart enough to like fill a really large refrigerator up with genetics. Yeah, I think there was probably like a I think a four month window, window. Mm-hmm. and that's when you could either source clones seeds whatever whatever route you wanted to go with your genetics that's that was your choice and uh we chose to do the hard route we went all seed whereas we could have easily sourced you name it clone from colorado but from the legal market in colorado so many of those genetics are already kind of spoiled with either a pm or or a mite or just, you know, something. And so, well, Colorado is a difficult market too, because, you know, they just like Maryland now, right. They've, you can't bring any new genetics in, right. They're forced to only buy existing genetics, existing genetics or seeds that are made there. And some seed companies have just started up there, you know, uh, I mean, DNA's had an operation there for a moment. Exotic genetics. There's other people for sure. There's Dark Horse. There's Ethos. Ethos. Compound. Yeah, totally. There's a, there's people that have started it up, but it's it's a really like uh, incestuous marketplace there. Yeah. So there's quite a few grows that source their clones originally from those you know from California, yeah. Colorado, other places, and uh, they immediately had issues. And before they had a approved list of pesticides, pesticides to deal with them right. too. So, you know, that's why you're seeing uh, Ford grow right now. They just got fined 125 grand and got put on a two-year probation, basically ruined their entire company's reputation for spraying pesticides, you know, before the regulations allowed them because they brought in dirty genetics mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they're paying the consequences now. 
we started, you know, we popped 3,000 seeds to, to get going. And we definitely dealt with some Hermie issues. You know, pheno hunting is super fun, but at the same time, it doesn't help your test scores. It doesn't pay a lot. the bills. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't pay the bills. Um, so we had, you know, our first six rounds were basically, for the most part, pheno hunting and just figuring out that. And so between the different phenotypes and different Hermes from different breeders, it was a tough first six rounds at least. Looking in hindsight and seeing what Four Grow's done and the bullshit they've had to go through, all day, every day, forever, I will take that harder out on a pop in a seed and figuring it out and doing it the right way, making sure that your genetics are clean and what they are. And that's by far the better route to go than having to even skirt other crap. You guys have been in the industry so long, you know what a dirty grow, the morale in a dirty grow, and how- People don't want to go in Oh and man, the trimmers, trimmers wearing masks and- Instead of tr laughing and singing and laughing, oh, oh. you know, you're putting on masks and you're literally just- And from- Can't a, wait to get out of there. A grower standpoint, it's just a nightmare. It can be the best job or it can be just, you know, something that makes you, when you, when you love buds that much and you got to throw them away, that, that hurts. And so the fact that we are, you know, just cloned our 18th round. We just harvested our 15th round and we have yet to fail a biological test. That's just a testament to how high regard we put on sanitation of our facility, keeping it really clean. And then not, you know, taking the hard route, like Jay's saying, and, and pheno hunting and going through all those issues to make sure that we really bring that high quality medicine to people. Plus, when you find that pheno, it makes it even yeah, funner, pretty, pretty more cool. special. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So how many seeds you guys plant out when you first started it? Started three, it up? I think it was about a thousand a room, right? Yeah. So three thousand yep. three thousand room to start. So so a room, so you took a flower room, your eighty light flower room, and put a thousand seed plants in it. Uh, well, no, they so, started in the I, I wasn't there, so Yeah, so what we did was we popped a thousand seeds. We Kept them all in our what is now our mom room since we didn't have moms yet, um, and then vegged them up until we were able to sex them, and then obviously killed off all of our males. And what we had left was about 450 female plants uh, that then went to our first flower room after they went through our veg cycle. Um, and then you know immediately as soon as we put them into veg, we popped our next thousand seeds in anticipation for the next room. We did that you know three times. And now we just seem to pop, you know. Um, We've had three different rounds of probably five to nine strains popped. What's the average number of seeds you plant? Probably a couple hundred. A couple hundred would be an average number that you would, of one strain. How about that? Whoa, oh, one, strain. one strain, it really depends. You know, some things we only have a seven pack of, some things we have 24, 42 of. Oh, right. We don't have a whole lot with a hundred, you know. Um, we're, we're, we have a lot of different genetics, but a, a lot of our... So you're planting 10, 20 seeds at a time. 12, 12, strains, 12 yeah. seeds, 12, 24 yeah, seeds. Every, they they every often breeder, come in six, you know... I'd six, say they're in like six, 12s. sevens, 11s, 12s, 24s. Yeah, right. The, yeah, right. One more than six. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give one more than 10. Yeah. I'm going to give one more than 11. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, right. You know, J.D. Short gives 14s and 28s and 42s, and I don't know the reasoning behind them all, but it's probably just the one-up deal, so. 
how hard is it to uh, uh, count it out for? Yeah, them? yeah, yeah. So that's been that's been quite uh, an adventure getting all those new strains. And we grow different strains now. For now that we're popping really selectively, it's like okay, uh, we're looking for terpene production, so we're going to pop this limonene queen, or we're uh, you know we consult with Michelle who runs our lab and all of our extracts and kind of do a brain trust there and figure out what is uh, the most exciting new genetic that we can pop for specific reasons. So trying to fill any voids we have in our menu. Yeah, I mean, right now it's my favorite thing on earth, but we're really, really, really high on chem OG genetics and i mean that's oh dude i, I love it's awesome you know that we need to kind of focus on some a few you different know, things stuff. that are different spread the love around yeah my tastes aren't what other people's tastes are and right. you know i like the incense earthy hazy type of taste i'm not a fruity fan at all right even though i do like smoking that purple punch that's pretty good weed tasting yeah. weed but uh man so many of the people that's what they want is they want the berry, they want the fruit. Dessert. It's like give it, give it, you know, give it to them. Yeah, yeah. Who am I to judge? <laughs> and I get it. Like. When I smell a really nice berry, fruit punchy kind of a smell in the strain, I totally get why that's very broadly liked. But uh, it's yeah, not we're, the we're route I some like. New strains right now. We got citrus sap and uh, Clifford. A couple, you know. So we're kind of breaking away from that chem OG and getting into some of the tangy crosses well they still have gorilla glue and stardog yeah you know, but they're obviously because it's a tangy cross you know that's what will come across a little stronger predominantly that all right so how many different how many different companies seeds as you plant um to start with probably seven or eight at least i'd say okay how many people have you planted out by now Right now we're down to probably four. Of oh, but you okay? Five of them, I'd say. So like of all the people you've planted out, you've planted out seven or eight genetic. Different yeah, companies. yeah. I mean, we have you know right. we have archive, CSI, second generation, exotic, DNA. top dog DNA. Oh, a private well, breeder out of Denver uh, that is Luke's buddy that. We got oh. our grapefruit sour dream and our '92 cease and desist from. Yeah, which have been <laughs> uh, hitters for us. The cease and desist, great story. Uh, why do you call it cease and desist? A friend of a friend was showing a strain that we were growing to a pretty good, well-known musician in Colorado, and uh, it turns out that that is a strain that they uh, they claimed as their own through a different dispensary in Colorado. And so, uh, real quickly, through a friendly photo, there was a cease and desist letter sent our way to stop growing the strain, but we quickly showed them that that was their strain crossed with the different strain, which makes that not their strain. Um, right. Yeah, totally. A little convoluted, but it's still right. see, you know, it's first started, uh, started out as Cookies and Dream, and so it's still 92 CD. It just stands for Cease and Desist now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the acronym is 92 CD, and so now, yeah, the CD went from Cookies and Dream to Cease and Desist. <laughs> Uh, this name came out of uh, after about seven joints of 92 <laughs> CD last night. Um, so I just set these guys up to stage that. But uh, it, it, we, we fell out. We thought it was hysterical when cease and desist came up for sure. 
so man, you planted all these different companies out. Here's the juice, man. Cause man, some of y'all breeders, y'all ain't, ain't doing your work. Could you see the like the unstable seed lines? Could you see problems in people's seed lines? All yeah. breeders are not created equal. I'll tell you that. Yeah, lots of hermy issues in multiple breeders and lots of just genericness where seeds nothing multiple strains were obviously had to have been picked from the same batch of seeds and then but still labeled different you know mm -hmm. what i imagine is that they had a bucket of ten thousand seeds they just closed their eyes and reached certain this... depths certain depths in and it's like this is this and, oh no no further down there's going to be that one and all from the same pile mm -hmm. and then labeled differently that was probably the biggest bummer but yeah i mean our hermy issues with there was certain times we were pulling 20 percent of a room yeah. And those were like, we would still have remaining Hermes that we would cut the branches out and try and salvage, but we would literally have to kill almost 20% of a room. And in those early days when you're just all overhead and no profit and you're going to your, you know, yeah. uh, telling everybody, oh, well, this is going to be a light harvest this, this round because we had to pull all these plants. The first couple, when I first was there, so I, I, I moved to Maryland in April. And so it was two weeks before the first harvest was when I was first here. And then basically, so I started right before the first harvest. And when I, we were starting to pull the Hermes out at first, I was like, it's not a big deal. It's part of the seed popping game. You gotta, you, you have to deal with some Hermes, but the more and more kept coming out, the more I realized that just, yeah, not all breeders were created equal. There's a lot of suspect gear out there and uh, it's definitely worth doing a little bit of research, I think before, uh, and spreading your bets out, you know, if you're unsure of a breeder, don't go solely with their seeds because if we, had, there's a couple of breeders that we used that if we'd only used their seeds, we would have really been screwed. Fortunately, we had, even in those first few rounds where there was a lot of disappointments, we had some shining stars that came through and really carried us that didn't hermaphrodite, that tested really high right off the bat, that had good yields, that were easy to grow. And uh, those are the ones that really kept us going in those early days. So I, I noticed, we won't say any of the bad names, any of the bad people. I noticed it looked like your garden was mostly full of archive and CSI genetics. Would yeah, our, I would say our three, it's archive, CSI, and exotic would be our top three breeders that we've... It almost looked like it was all archive. Um, I would say but... we're almost uh, <laughs> 60%, 70%. If if you really think and if you look in our seed bank of what we have down the, the pipeline it, he's the bulk of you know at least a good chunk of what we have to go still so totally i saw big piles of archive seeds left to plant too yeah. man both fletcher and caleb do awesome awesome jobs uh i always recommend them to people i'm, I'm sure i'm recommended them to, to mackie when he went to get the seeds yeah well, glad you did right. yeah, yeah yeah i mean you know what i've told people is fletcher's non-keepers are better than multiple breeders keepers at this point oh um, wow you know the phenos yeah. that are that are non-desirable are still amazing it's oh, like we're gonna have to tether fletcher to the ground after that comment. <laughs> it's kind of crazy <laughs> after popping that many it. different people though it's kind of like it's uh it's pretty impressive when you see what comes out of those packs i love to see the math of genetics meet the planting of the seeds and when you get to plant a bunch of seeds you get to see the math pop out and we saw some of that today with some of the csi mendo perps we, we saw two distinct different phenotypes in it yeah right a, a, a more traditional mino a mendo perp 
plant and then one that looked different, more like Urkel. And I'm going to have to do a little research to see what the actual like cross was. But it was, it was, you know, the two different phenos in the hybrid cross. You can yeah, see we call it. one the green pheno and one the purple. Right. And, you know, the green pheno is definitely not very green, but right. comparatively. Yeah, yeah but it, the nudge nug structure was different, though, for sure. It has a, a round nug structure. But that was just it. There's only two, like... Yeah. Two plant growth patterns, two structures there. Yeah. Right. It's pretty cool to see it, man. Definitely. And our Docido 22, I think, is the other one that's got the most noticeable phenotype differences from the same same pack of seeds that uh, are spitting images almost of the moms, but then obviously the combination of them. Right. All right. Or so the mom or let's the have a speed round. What's the whitest strain you have? Humboldt Legacy OG. Like frostiest? Uh-huh. I'd say it's got to be cookies and cream. Oh, okay. What's the, the, the most commercially hugest strain? Dozy dough. Diesel dough. <laughs> I love This is awesome. What's your favorite to grow? Uh, shit. Oh, a true head grower. He doesn't have one favorite. That's like a, <laughs> that's like a father. He doesn't have one favorite child. I got a favorite. Them. I got a favorite. Forget those other kids. I yeah. like uh, <laughs> 92. The 92 to me has been just great to us from the start. And, uh, you know, when you're always assessing watering, I love plants that drink a lot um, mm-hmm. because it just like you just give it. I love hitting those plants, you know, and so you're always having to really, really soak those plants and they just they take it all. So from a growing standpoint, the 92 is just really solid. Yeah, I'd say probably Space Face or Rocket Fuel because it's just structure wise closer to some of the OGs I've grown in for oh, years totally. in Colorado. So, yeah. Oh, man, that Space Face was good. Hey, you know what? We should call up our joint Sherpa and see if he can't get us some, some uh, Space Face. Hold on. Joint Sherpa. Joint Sherpa. Beep, 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 space beep, beep. Face. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Immediately he has Quick it. results. Right, right, yeah, that guy's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, that's what that's what happens you know uh, I looked long and hard for a joint Sherpa Jacob was the only one that uh, applied for the job and so he got it (laughs) by default (laughs) oh man I love that little speed round there hey so what plant surprised you the most um Hmm. I know out of all those seeds, you got to have been surprised by something. I would say the the Pucci Love or the Landmine mm-hmm. from Archive, because they're both uh, the Pacific Northwest dog shit. Mm-hmm. So that's like supposedly equatorial sativa, like a Mexican sativa. Just the seeing the pure, that like tropical style out of it, which I, I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't expecting that. For some reason, I thought the dog shit was... Uh, <laughs> it was like something else. Right. And so uh, it definitely was not. I think mine was the grapefruit, our grapefruit sour dream. You know, it was just kind of, it seemed like middle of the middle of the pack, you know, growing. It was not, nothing like super amazing about it. And then when we harvested it and it cured up, the terpenes on it were just, uh, I think they test like 4.7 or something on the terpenes. You know, nice testing all the way across. And then when you smoke it, you really get that flavor. So that was a really nice surprise to me. Sometimes you grow a plant out, you don't really get to see the flavor until it cures up. You know, get that surprise punch at the end there. So that was pretty cool. That grapefruit is a strain that whenever it's getting trimmed in the facility, it's like everybody is the happiest people you've ever seen in your in your life oh, cool. it's just the the terps 
even just fresh fill the, the air. Grapefruit like, tourists made me happy, bro. No, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like I didn't, you can just tell a, a change in the air when that one's getting getting worked on. Oh, that's great, man. Hey, hey, all right. Here's a here's the one I always like that to know. What do the trimmers like the most? Probably dosy dough, cookies and cream, um, grapefruit sour. I would say. Mm -hmm. As far as smell goes, grapefruit sour. I think as far as like the the function of trimming it, the cookies and cream and the dosy doughs, those cookie strains that you know you can almost just look There's at the no leaves leaf and fall it. off. Yeah, <laughs> just bud. But, uh, yeah, totally. But I mean, the, the grapefruit's the one that when it's coming onto their uh, to their table, they're definitely stoked. I'm not familiar with the grapefruit sour. It's grapefruit sour diesel crossed with the cook uh, with the cookies and drink with right. the cease and desist. Okay, okay. So the the grapefruit's a larger, not as dense nugget. Yeah, it's a lot shorter of a plant. To me, it smells identical to like a Durban poison almost. It did have that Durban pellet smell too. Definitely got right. something up that alley. That skunk, because that Durban we all we know is the Colorado Durban. It's it's the Cincy Seeds Durban that skunk. Yep. Durban Poison Cross. Yep. Great, great grown weed. Great grown weed. Yeah, one time a guy from South Africa came into the dispensary when I was working and I sold him some Durban Poison and asked him if that was like a pretty good representation. He said it actually, you know, you know, it is Durban. The native Durban, it has a licorice, a predominant licorice smell. And that licorice smell is like, is, is hidden. It also doesn't grow the same. Landrace Durban, though, is a really cool plant, though. It won't flip until September 21st, until it's fucking 12 hours, right? But then it finishes in, like, six weeks. And yeah, no Right, case. so, like, it, it just, and it stretches, too. So it veges and gets to be this huge plant, right? And then it, you know, flowers in September. You're like, this is the most son of a bitch ain't ever going to finish. And then it... It stretches even more. No kidding. But it just ends up being the smallest little buds, right? Uh, that uh, I, I I was very poor one winter after growing a bunch of Durban. Lots of Durban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to. You know, I've smoked a lot of Durban, but it's always been that Colorado cut. Nothing yeah. too far from it. That's far better than that. Well, I did. Yeah, land I, I, I really want to <laughs> sometimes smoke some real South African. Durban and uh, Malawi and some of those hazes. Yeah, uh, Fletch's Malawi NL5 haze, it can have hints of that. Yeah, Malawi. we have quite, we have probably, you know, six, seven crosses of uh, with Malawi NL5 or uh, was I think it was the Malawi NL or. So you, you guys are super heady on the weed, man. How do, how do the customers take it? Do you know? Really, I mean, it's been really cool. We've done a few meet the grower kind of events where we'll go to either our dispensary or one mm -hmm. of the dispensaries we supply and set up the table and just kind of answer questions for people as they come in. So I've got to be kind of a fly on the wall and watch these customers come in and just getting really great reviews. People telling us, you know, I, we don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's, uh, it's really nice to hear some feedback. That's, that's something I never really got before working in California, I would just sell to the dispensary and it's that gone. was it. It was well, gone. On the Instagram age, you know, that's, that's one kind of funny thing about Maryland coming from Colorado is uh, the Instagram cannabis, I don't know, reviewer game in Maryland is pretty, is pretty big. And uh, everybody now that's a, that's a patient, you know, pretty much posts reviews on Instagram and, and it's, Weed maps. it's, it's 
yeah, but it's like this little community of, of, of weed critics, you know, some bigger than others, but it's kind of, I think it's, it's cool and kind of funny that that's everybody here just really is enthusiastic about giving their, their true assessment of it. I also think that at this point, the market's kind of real early. Everything's kind of cool and good. You know, if they come in the store and ask by name for stuff. For oh, yeah. oh yeah, definitely. Right, oh, yeah. right. It builds a reputation and they're like, I want that. For yep. sure. We sell okay. out of strains like, quickly. What's the, do you know what the number one strain you sell out of? I would say just by uh, pure popularity, the Dosey Doe. Dosey Doe. Look at that, Fletch. Um, I mean, you oh, know, man. Fletcher got to come and <laughs> tour our, he got to come and tour our grow, uh, you know, probably five, five months ago at least. And he definitely said that our phenotypes of the doses that we had found were, you know, pretty spot on to the true. Uh, Good reflections of yeah, it. Yeah, what you want. Especially our 22, we have true representations of the mom and the dad, really, and I think that's pretty cool uh, to get those as well. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that flavor on the space face. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, face off OG doesn't shit. let you down. And some good shit, bro. You want good shit. I know this sounds like a Fletcher show. <laughs> I'll have to cut, have him back on and be like, everybody blows you. Fucking A. Fucking A, Tully is right. So, uh, you got any, got any predictions on the uh, Maryland marketplace? What's happening on the East Coast or in cannabis in general? Um... I mean, I, I see Maryland really setting themselves apart in the East Coast as far as the market goes. Uh, I think they kind of got a good head start. You know, Massachusetts was ahead of us, but I just know that some of their licensing ways there are a little weird and it just hasn't exploded. I mean, you were saying they're having more conferences and stuff there and more conventions and cups and stuff, but I just think as the actual medical market's going, it's, it's lagging. Maryland's definitely taken the horns of that one. I think uh, it's just a lot of go-getters in Maryland, and I think they're just wanting to to get it and run. I think legislatively, we're hoping that it's going to be recreational in the next two to three years. And uh, I think, and then from a consumer standpoint, it seems like people are really quickly gaining knowledge about what they're looking for and what they want. Initially, it was strictly just THC, and that still is the driving variable for you know a desirability of of the flower and stuff but i think people are starting to now realize maybe they've gotten some really high testing thc buds from other companies that maybe wasn't as much fun to smoke didn't give them the same uh, experience as something that might be in the low 20s um, but has really great terpenes or a really great effect so i think uh that knowledge is is going to be really increasing in the next couple of years yeah just the consumer uh education you're right about that you know it's like i was saying earlier everything's kind of cool right now because it's just so new to them you know a year ago at this point this was not an option none of this was an option and how just how much it's changed what the products that are available in the last six months in the state it's just ever changing and so they're just going to keep knowing more and more and get to learn more and see you know see people's failures see people's successes and kind of just uh make their own decisions hopefully soon and and not just kind of go with the flow they'll they'll know what they really want instead of uh needing other people's guidance 
it's definitely going to grow for sure. More people are going to accept it. Uh, it. It sounds similar to how like Colorado and California was right when it became legal that, you know, many of the police officers like didn't listen to the read the memo, listen to the briefing. I don't think they were listening. Or give a shit. Yeah. Right. And so like, you know, they'll, ch- they'll, they'll get reprimanded a few times and then they'll begrudgingly start letting people go and things will change but yeah they think of it you know as like a farce to like legalization and you know what it goes medical usually goes wreck or like that's on the people's idea and partly because you realize okay there's a medical use this is totally harmless look at how much like revenue this is generating everybody look at how much health you know healthier people feel over their lives because they're able to self-medicate and they're like, well, maybe it's not so bad. You know, like, the sky doesn't fall. The sky didn't <laughs> fall, and, you know, and maybe we should, like, let, you know, responsible adults decide that they can use it for themselves however they want yeah. without having to go to a doctor, you know, to tell them. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we just had our uh, company year-end luncheon here, and we had, uh, you know, one of the older, uh, she's a Republican lady that was instrumental in helping Colta come to the Eastern Shore, to Cambridge. You know, she was our guest at lunch today and you could see, you know, her herself was a convert as to the fact of our intentions and how well we're actually able to do what we say we're gonna do. And we actually, you know, are bringing industry and, and hopefully some money to Cambridge and the Eastern Shore in general and just kind of helping that stigma. And uh, we're doing a lot to help with uh, the drug war, trying to help out ex, ex felons, um, you know, trying to yeah. trying to do stuff, especially out here, who's for people whose lives potentially have been ruined or really set back because of the war on drugs and dumb cannabis arrests and stuff like that, and uh, give people a chance and you know just community, you know, try to just spread love, make it known that that's what we're here for. Both of you gentlemen are absolutely accomplishing that goal. Uh, be proud of yourself. Pat yourself on the back that you are helping out, you know, people that that need it. And you are, like, breaking down the war on drugs a little bit, too, man. You know, you're successfully overgrowing the war on drugs. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> one way to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Jay and David, Colta, thanks for being on the show. I'm so glad you invited me here in your living room with both your dogs crashed out snoring and uh, such a a great, like, I don't know, thing you guys are doing over here. A year from now, this is going to be exploding. You guys got a lot of crazy. You have to come back and do another podcast next year. Yeah, Yeah, we'll do an update. No doubt, man. No doubt. Well, hey, thanks again, and uh, this is The Real Dirt with Chip Baker.